Such a good song. That's Red Rocks Worship with Breakthrough. The live version on Victory 91. There are so many great artists, so many great songs. That's what I love that we get to play so many. How do you pick a favorite? Yeah, yeah I don't. I can't. I could never do that. You've worked here longer than I've been alive. <laughs> That's true. Going on 30 years. You've probably year. heard a lot of songs. Can you imagine? Well, I'm glad that now we get to play so many because I feel like for many, many years we just we missed so many of those. And now day to day, you know, just driving in. I was on my way in this morning, uh, listening uh, to uh, when you speak your uh, your words, uh, just these little things, and I just think, you know, God uses that to speak to me. The lyrics. And, yeah, and I, and I love that, and he always has, but I just, more so now when you have, you know, so many artists and so many songs, you uh, yeah. don't have to narrow yourself down, down at all. And you've worked just about every position here. You've been an announcer. I have. You've done all sorts of stuff. been announcing for almost 40 years, yeah. 30 years, 30 years. You've like added the playlist, the music director, you've, you've been all over the place. But yes. now you come on, you know, every Jewish holiday, I guess we would say, right? Jewish you can, holiday. You can say that. It's funny we say that, but in reality, the reason why I'm coming on is so that we might discover that they're not just Jewish holidays. They are biblical holidays. They're for days everybody. That, they, exactly. They are for us. They started in, in in reality. He was slain from the foundation of the world, which is Adam and Eve, right? That's all of us. So mm. uh, it's for us to learn how we can connect to him. We were talking about Jesus, the miracle of him multiplying the bread and the fish, and we're talking about second Passover, how that kind of goes together. You know, what's funny is when I read the Bible, I think I read it a little differently. I don't just read what's going on, but when it's going on and where it's going on. And if you read John chapter five and the story that unfolds of the healing that he does at the pool of Bethesda, and then you come to the miracle of the fish and the loaves and that it says right near Passover. So, and you you might even ask yourself, that's interesting. Is that just kind of a random thing? Well, no, it isn't because he put it there for a reason. Mm. And part of that reason is second Passover, you discover something interesting. So we'll go all the way back now. Before there was the second Passover, there, I call it the unofficial second Passover. So it's second Passover before it even existed. They've just left Egypt. They had Passover, that's lamb and unleavened bread and all of that. And they start walking. They go through the Red Sea and going through different needs that they have. And, of course, they're always thirsty. They're always hungry. And uh, it's an amazing way to look at ourselves and them at the same time because, you know, they came out with flocks and herds, and they're taking just who knows how many hundreds of thousands of animals across this desert. But they're always complaining we have nothing to eat. And uh, although we were back in Egypt. And this date, so you go 30 days from Passover, and the date that would become second Passover, year one year later when they made it official, um, 30 days down the road from Egypt, they're hungry. And God doesn't say, kill that cow, kill, he, he doesn't that. He said, you know what, I'll give you meat and bread because he's planning on giving himself because there when he does the, the bread and the fish, all those thousands of years later, he says, I was the bread from heaven. That's me. Mm. I'm meat. I'm bread that you eat. Taste it and see that the Lord is good. And so he gives them meat. He gives them bread. It's, the, it's their Passover meal of a different sort, but this time it's quail and manna. 
And here's what it says back in those 30 days. Moses also said, you'll know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning. Listen to God's heart here. He's not angry at them. Mm. He should be, I think, but (laughs) he loves them uh, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? We're not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, I've heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight you'll eat meat. The morning it'll be filled with bread. Then you'll know I'm the Lord your God. And that evening quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. Israelites saw it. They uh, said to each other, what is it? For they didn't know what it was. And Moses said to them, it's the bread the Lord has given you to eat. And the word manna simply means what is it? Go figure. So this is the unofficial first, or I'm sorry, the unofficial second Passover, 30 days after Passover. So this is going to be the exact same time that he creates second Passover. So there's this linkage here to the quail and the manna and, of course, to Jesus breaking the loaves and the fish. So let's go ahead now. A year later, they've been at Mount Sinai. They've got the law. They built uh, everything they're going to build. The tabernacle's there. It's ready. They're just about ready if they have the courage to go into the land. Of course, they blow it. But Passover time has come again. They're having Passover. So now the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the first month of the second year after they'd come out of Egypt, saying, let the children of Israel keep the Passover at its appointed time. And they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight in the wilderness of Sinai, according to all that the Lord commanded Moses and the children of Israel did. Now, there were certain men who were defiled by a human corpse so that they could not keep the Passover on that day. And they said, why are we restrained for preventing the offering of the Lord at its appointed time among the children of Israel? And the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites, when any of you or your descendants are unclean because of a dead body or are away on a journey... Now, they didn't even ask about that, but he gave them a bonus point. If you're even on a journey, they're still to celebrate the Lord's Passover, but they're to do it on the 14th day of the second month at midnight. They're to eat the lamb together with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. All right. So there are seven spring and fall feasts, and all of them are special Sabbaths. But if you'll notice there in the intricacies of what he was saying, second Passover is the only feast that is not a special Sabbath day. It's just an ordinary day. So it's set apart in its unique way. It's different because it's not like the other ones. Passover includes the Feast of Unleavened Bread with a feast a week of fasting from leavened bread. Seven days they have to do that because it represents our life, our living out the life or our holy walk that Jesus has given to us. As we walk in Christ, he's the bread of life. We demonstrate this continuous keeping of this feast. We we love and desire him, right? So the, in fact, the Bible says, therefore, let us keep the feast, not with the old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So that's what that seven days represents. It's our journey. So second Passover, on the other hand of that, it's a great picture of real life where death or pain and loss happens, and we all need a chance for hope and communion with God. It's, it's you know, living the day-to-day, your face and going, man, why is this happening to me? How do I overcome it? So if you notice, those who appealed to Moses didn't ask to be excused from Passover. They asked that they not be restrained. We want to encounter God just because this appointed time had found them spiritually indisposed. So if you deal with death, it becomes a second chance. But God also adds mercy for those on a journey. And I love this part of it. The second Passover brings something called teshuva, which is 
in the Bible, that Hebrew word is translated a lot of times as repentance, but it's a lot more than that because it's not just changing your behavior, forgiving forgiveness. Second Passover is much more. It's the power to redefine the past, to make our failures powerless to control our future. Teshuva is the word, second Passover, teshuva. It's an encounter with death that arouses a striving for life and awakens this unquenchable yearning for home. God restores us, not to brand new, but so that we're scarred, but stronger. Isaiah 53 says this, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions, was crushed for iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. And that's what Teshuvah is about. Israel wasn't very faithful observing Passover. In fact, once they settled in the promised land, they forgot again and again and again. They went hundreds of years without honoring God. There's one reference to second Passover. It was observed by Hezekiah. It's about 800 years after they settled in the land and they realize that they've missed it and they want to see God and they, they can't do it at the regular time. They're just, there's not enough priests. They can't concentrate them, con, uh, consecrate themselves. So they wait the 30 days. And they invite all Israel to attend, and the, this uh, phenomenal response of theirs. Runners pass from city to city, from Ephraim to Manasseh, as far as Zebulun, way up to the north. But they laughed at them and mocked them. That was the end result of inviting them to Passover. Nevertheless, some for Asher, Manasseh, and Zebulun humbled themselves, came to Jerusalem. So there was great joy in Jerusalem, for since the time of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, there had not... There had been nothing like this in Jerusalem. So God had this plan for them, but they almost always ignored it. Kind of a sad story, but uh, that's the reality. Coming up, there's a song that kind of goes with what you're talking about called Grave Clothes from Stephen McWhorter. Sweet. And then we're also going to hear a word from a congregation called Bethel about some stuff they have going on. Shalom, friends.